All right, welcome, dear listeners, to another edition of the Jacobs Podcast. This will be the final edition for the year 2018, and um, I thought it'd be a useful time, as everyone does at this time of year, to reflect on the year, some of the uh, political moments, um, some of the moments that have caught our eye, and some of the personal moments too. Um, and I thought, well, look, let me first introduce our guest. So, um, joining me again is Jordan Shopov. Um, from Wig Capital, who is in Melbourne. Jordan, welcome back. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Merry Christmas. Thanks very much. Warmly received, and to you too. Thanks, mate. And uh, Will Witheridge, um, who is PhD candidate at NYU, who is someone who is actually having a white Christmas, or not far off. Will, welcome to the Jacobs Podcast. Great to be here. It's, uh, it's chilly at the moment, but uh, no snow. in good spirits. Good, good. No snow out there? Not at the moment, just heavy rain. Uh, and uh, cold weather at the moment, so... Fair enough. Well, on a personal note, I have relocated professionally and with my fiancé to New Zealand. We're in uh, the very cold South Island but beautiful and picturesque town of Dunedin and um, coming out of 38 degrees and 36-degree days that are humid in Brisbane to about 9, 10 degrees in the middle of summer in Dunedin has not been inviting, but... um, yeah, look, that's that's been a big change for me um, in 2018. And, um, you know, looking back, I guess, as well on the year has been quite an interesting thing because I just flipped out my notepad the other day and I just sort of tried to write down a few big things that had caught my eye. You know, on the political front, we've had a lot of, um, I guess, movement domestically in Australia with a change of Prime Minister um, in the US, everyone talked about the midterms. You can't escape Donald Trump every day and some of the sort of hysteria around that. Um, I think as well, you've seen identity politics being exacerbated to a degree um, and some of those trends be really, um, I guess, pronounced and jump out. And also, I think some really good news stories as well. And um, One of the great things, I think, was the old wild boars Thai soccer team um, and that was a really good global story about rescuing those boys from the cave that I thought was quite a, a big story from 2018. But um, I guess looking back as well, one of the big things, as well as just moving to New Zealand this year, was actually starting the podcast. And I think that um, one of the reasons and one of the core drivers behind that, and Jordan, you'll remember this from a sort of early pilot episode and the early episodes, was um, I guess this sort of counter sort of media culture that's grown in terms of I guess people being quite fed up with mainstream media and then just the options that there are out there to start your own medium. And I think that's been something that's obviously been a huge thing for me on this front is starting my own podcast, but then having you gents come on as well and to talk about current affairs, building stronger individuals, um, looking, for example, at some of the heritage that we have in Australia and building cultural confidence around that, which I think is really important around questions of identity. But um, what are your sort of thoughts with that, guys? I might just kick off with that question and looking back on the year. I might throw to you, Jordan, about that early trend, about the rise of Dave Rubens, the Joe Rogans, the Sam Harrises, um, and just their huge, huge popularity. And do you think that's something that's just going to grow into 2019? Yeah, they've definitely taken the world by storm. Guys like Jordan Peterson have literally come out of nowhere overnight. And I think they they definitely show that there is a huge demand for this type of stuff 
out there and it's not being satisfied by traditional media. But um, for me, starting starting the podcast with you was, you know, I was much more uh, just focused on being able to chat to chat to you a bit more and and being able to do it with Will as well. It's kind of like just the just to be able to have these conversations every couple of weeks or a month is I've, I've found it so enjoyable and you know it's it's it you know forcing you to think about a topic in depth and being able to you know because you kind of sometimes with friendships you kind of they drift apart and having something that you can always uh, gather around is, is, is awesome. So I've just in, enjoyed chatting with you guys every, every couple of months. So I hope we, I hope we continue it for at least a couple more months. <laughs> um, you've you've uh, made my uh, Christmas card list, Jordan. I was about to scratch <laughs> you off. But... <laughs> yeah, express post from Dunedin. Slip <laughs> back in there. <laughs> yeah. um, but looking a bit more broadly, I think one of the, the big thing that stood out for me this year, I haven't been too focused on the, the political stuff. I mean, I'll be honest. Like the the coverage of Donald Trump, I've found just exhausting. It's like everywhere you look, there's there's a you know a hit piece or someone complaining or there's just so much hyperbole out there. It's very hard to cut through and find out what's going on. So I've kind of you know lost interest in that. And even the Australian political stuff, I find the commentary quite frustrating. So, but the big political event for me of the year was actually the Royal Commission into Financial Services. I thought that was a pretty landmark event for um, the Australian economy. And um, I didn't watch all the, the testimonies. I mainly watched the, um, the round seven, which was the most recent one, where uh, the commissioner got in all the bank CEOs and the chairmen and the regulators and tried to pull all together everything that they had covered over the previous couple of months. And um, to me, yeah, I saw some things which surprised me. And uh, there were some highlights and lowlights. And yeah, it made me really look forward to the beginning of next year where the the final report should come out and I wouldn't be surprised if it gets turned into a bit of a political football um, in the next election. For sure and um, Will what about sort of you have had an interesting year because you've moved from Europe over to the United States into New York in particular Um, and I guess you're sort of quarantined a little bit from the Australian domestic political scene although I know you you certainly keep your eye on things back home in Australia. Um, but uh, one of those things there about the sort of the constant, the freneticism around, um, I guess, Trump in the media, we, he's someone who we haven't covered in the podcast. And I think we've been done pretty well to not talk about him and the politics around that. Um, but I mean, you would see it, I guess, a lot, um, you know, moving to the United States and New York in particular. Uh, yes, there's... Um... Trump is seems to be like an inescapable vortex of, uh, of discussion in <laughs> uh, there. But um, yeah, I think sort of the the bigger point about the the way in which a lot of um, news and media is just is um, on a on a daily cycle, and mm. from on that sort of uh, speed, you tend to lose perspective on kind of bigger trends that um, that are going on. So you know, stepping back and, and engaging in now, longer form journalism, uh, the rise of the rise of podcasts, like we're we're talking about, is just uh, is just a sensation, and there's so much good material being generated by uh, by people. It's um, you know these these sort of uh, conversations and discussions uh, help to you know really understand things in a, in a bit more depth. Uh, so I think that that's uh, part of what um, you know. Podcasts generally are contributing, and um, you know I've I've really enjoyed the the exchanges that we've had uh, this year. 
as well. Brilliant. Thanks, Will. Well, you were on my, you, you remain on the list too. You weren't teetering on the edge like Jordan, but um, that's, that's really good. But look, I think that's it's a great two, point. That's both two of you. total. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> two from two. Well, no, but it's a great broader point you, you guys touched on, and I think um, that sort of appetite for long-form discussion. Um, but it's kind of, you know, it, it's very difficult to separate some of the noise, I think, from that sort of stuff. But look on that, you know, like we're both, um, other than listeners to this podcast, um, what are some of the, the the good interviews then, the good long-form stuff that's jumped out to you this year? Um, like, for example, Russ Roberts and Econ Talk, he did a great um, chat with Jordan Peterson. I really liked that one earlier in the year. That was a good one for me. Um, Dave Rubin, someone you know, I talk about a lot, but I do think he does a lot of good work. He is a very, very good interviewer. Um, and I liked his one with Thomas Sowell um, probably a couple of months ago, the famous um, economist and writer and author. But he, because um, you know, he rarely does interviews, and Sowell managed, sorry, Rubin managed to get him on, and that was a really illuminating discussion because he is approaching old age now and he just does a lot less. Uh, media. Jordan, maybe to you, what sort of ones have jumped out? What sort of long-form type stuff has jumped out to you? Yeah, the probably the best long-form one, which I haven't actually finished, is um, the one with Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris, the four-part debate that they mm. did across, I think they did it in a bit in the UK, a bit in Canada. I might have that wrong, but they kind of spread it out over six months. And it was a, yeah, a ongoing debate about the role of religion, essentially, and I've only done two of the four parts, and they had a different moderator for the first couple and the, the next couple. But that was that was one of the rare uh, debates I've seen where they're genuinely trying to understand each other's positions. And there's no, you know, where some debates kind of, they try and avoid going too into the minutiae. These guys go yeah. into the minutia. They, <laughs> they really just let themselves yeah. delve into it. And, um, I mean, that topic as well, the, the role of religion in society is... Um, I think Jordan Peterson's probably got the um, the hard the hard side of the debate there. I think most people today, especially our generation, are more on the atheist side of the side of the fence. So he he had it up against him, and I thought he did a really good job of. Or he he laid out an argument that I hadn't really considered before, and I thought that was really interesting to hear. And um, yeah, going toe to toe with someone like Sam Harris, who can definitely hold his own and has got a huge breadth of experience. I think if um, people want to. Um, sit down and really see two intellectuals uh, sparring at it. Go and go and check it out on YouTube. Um, and I just remember one of the, I think it was the one they did in Ireland. It might have been with Douglas Murray, who was the moderator. And yeah, um, I think that one. I saw the I saw yeah. the first two with Brett Weinstein. But yeah, so you've seen? Have you yeah. seen all of them? Or no, no, just that one. And I just only watched a slice of it because they're really very very long. But I remember just even a few minutes in. Um, Peterson was, you know, talk about going into the minutiae, just dove straight in and then right down to the, the depths. And um, I think as well, like in those long form discussions, it's really good to have a good moderator. And I think Douglas Murray was a perfect kind of example of someone who isn't steering the conversation too much and letting them run with it, but being able to throw enough in to contribute and um, do a do a decent job. Um because, yeah, you do, I mean, I do think you do see a lot of sort of public debates or discussions that aren't really too cerebral. Like you say, Jordan, there's not many people trying to understand the other person, which is what these sort of public discussions used to be traditionally about. 
and panels. Um, but, um, yeah, good moderator goes a long way too. But, yeah, I have watched a slice of that one, and I think it's a good good one. Yeah, um, and you compare that to someone like, you know, how Tony Jones might moderate Q&A. It's a bit more, you know, a bit more combative and point scoring and, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, he interjects whilst Brett Weinstein, I didn't see Douglas Murray, but Brett Weinstein did a really good job of trying to summarise each person's position to get them to, you know, do you agree with this and get the conversation back on track. And um, there was actually yeah. one point where they meant to go to Q&A and uh, they had it, Brett Weinstein to, made everyone take a vote. Do you want to do Q&A or let these guys keep going? And everyone's like, keep going, keep going. Keep going, yeah, <laughs> so cheering. Was, and, yeah, yeah. Very rarely do people, you know, want to put their questions aside and just watch and see what happens. So I think that was a testament to how, yeah, how good a job they did, the three of them, yeah. Yeah, there's an art to um, having these types of conversations and discussions in, um, in yeah, letting people uh, speak and, and respond and really engaging uh, with each other, and it's um, yeah, it's it's fantastic when it works, and that's what's great about uh, that's what's great about podcasts with uh, with interesting listening to podcasts with interesting people, and it's yeah. kind of frustrating about uh, you know short form interviews through uh, traditional media where you can't um, go into that kind of depth often. Um, yeah. For myself, um, my favorite econ talk of the year was uh, the Ryan Holiday uh, episode on conspiracy. Which was uh, you know a fantastic episode about um, uh, the um, Hulk Hogan uh, Gorka uh, trial in the U.S. in which there was a um, uh, I guess a, a conspiracy to you know bring down this um, uh, Gorka media organization through a, uh, through a legal case and it was just um, it was a really interesting discussion about sort of revenge and and how um, you know conspiracies can can lead to these significant change. So, um, yeah. but Jordan, did you did you uh, read the book? Yeah, I love the book. It was fantastic. I I probably read it with a different um, different focus to most people. Peter Thiel is one of my heroes, so I was more reading it to learn more about him and why he uh, did what he did, his involvement in the case, and uh, just more about how he thinks and approaches problem solving. Who do you like um, more, Jordan, Peter Thiel or Warren Buffett or Charlie? Oh, mate, that's like. That's like picking between two sons. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's yeah. I can't, I can't separate that. Um, but the, uh, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but the one of the characters in that in that story, Mr. A, the um, Peter Thiel sidekick who kind of ran the whole legal case, he was actually an Australian. Did you guys know that? Oh. No, I didn't know he'd been revealed. Yeah, so the um, the Australian actually did a full page spread about the um about this guy and he's yeah he's melbourne born um yeah studied law at, at melbourne uni and then went to oxford and uh yeah his i think his name's aaron d'souza so there was a there was a big piece on him and it was a pretty amazing um yeah story about a guy pretty much you know uh working his way uh hunting out peter teal and you know offering him a solution as they, you know, talk about in the book. But um, pretty amazing that someone from Australia was, you know, uh, wrapped up in such a high-profile case, especially I think he's only our age. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty inspiring story for young Australians, I think. I sort of found as well, um, just very quickly, that, um, you know, one of the outcomes of that econ talk, Will, was um, I just put together a quick piece about, some of the advice they have for young people or young professionals just getting started and about, you know, being low on skills, low on experience and like what are the values that you can 
contribute to a workplace or a work environment professionally. Um, and, you know, they both just note that, like, you've got to really be aware of that when you're young and you're coming into a place about, you know, you can, you're, you're willing to contribute, you work hard and you're willing to learn. And it's sort of a, a massive um, offence that a lot of young people today commit. And I suppose has been since time immemorial is just going in thinking that be running something um, straight away or, you know, being trying to get sort of the comforts of um, success very early in a career. And that was really like an interesting part of that discussion as well. But, I, you know, I did really like that that combo because it teased out, um, you know, like, for, you know, one, for example, Ryan Holiday, who I'd never really read or heard about. But then you dive into his work and he's writing about meditations and Marcus Aurelius, Stoicism, um, you know, somebody who writes a lot of depth, a lot of history and brings that to and pulls in examples from like, you know, rock bands, um, from pop musicians and ties them with like, you know, again, someone like, you know, um, Cicero or something like that. It's just really, really good stuff. Um, a great writer. Um, so you know, I think like podcasts, kind of like books, when you read a good book, you it'll invite you to read a few more and you'll never sort of end, but a good podcast or a good long form piece will do that too. Yeah. There was a, a discussion which um, he had previously on Econ Talk on on his um, earlier book uh, Ego is the Enemy, which was also um, right. you yeah. know a, a fantastic uh, conversation just about you know self control and um, yeah that sort of struggle against um, against your own ego and how um, yeah. yeah that can that can bring can bring people down so yeah he's a yeah really interesting uh, writer and thinker. Uh, Ryan Holiday, which he also, you know, which came out in, in that discussion with uh, with Russ Roberts. Um, mm-hmm. If I can add just another another podcast which I really enjoyed this year was um, was a, a conversations with Tyler episode, uh, Tyler Cowan's uh, podcast, where he he interviewed Paul Romer, who won the Nobel Prize in Economics this year, and he's a he's a professor at NYU, and it was just a fantastic discussion between the two of them on. Um, uh, on scholarship and academia and um, and big sort of public policy questions about you know, things like economic development and um, innovation and then just you know, practical things about you know education systems. It was just a really interesting, wide-ranging uh, discussion between two two brilliant minds. So that was another one of my uh, podcasts of the year. And I particularly think you'd like that one too because I was just thinking about this based on I think it was our last podcast remember the one before um on role models and you know i think will you're someone who likes pe- you you have pe- you know people who are i guess academics but are still in that are not so far removed that they're still in the public discussion about very contemporary policy challenges and realistic remedies that governments can pursue or levers that governments can pull to try and um you know uh, um, correct some sort of reform and i think you know tyler's probably a really good example of someone like that and he just has some really fascinating discussions he had a good one with claire layman um from quillette that was a good one i think you guys put me on to to that one um but yeah like tyler's someone who i think is just he's just the amount of knowledge he has in his in his brain and i guess the sort of range um of discussion he's able to contribute to without sort of taking a breath in between um, sort of, it just flows and it keeps going and it keeps going. But yeah. he's somebody you could literally pick up any um, 
I guess, academic or on any topic, and he could have a free form, like un, you know, flowing discussion with them for two hours or three hours on the, on the topic. Yeah, and that was that was what was great about this particular one is that Paul Roma is uh, is like that as well in that he reads widely and thinks widely, and he um you know as well as being uh, an academic economist, he then uh, left and has. Uh, has his own sort of startup and has done um, has done apps and um, and also worked with um, to try and create charter cities you know a different model of um, of governance uh, and then he recently um, was the was the chief economist at the World Bank for a short period which was you know another interesting move which Paul Roma has uh, has made so yeah the the um, exchange between the two of them was great. I think another um, another one of Tyler Cohen's claims to fame is that um, we were going to ask him a question at the uh, at the OECD recently. So that's <laughs> I think that's what's going on here. He's got a soft spot for uh, Tyler. <laughs> um, uh, just on Tyler though, I I um, it wasn't the best po- podcast I listened to this year, but one of his conversations with um, uh, Paul Krugman I listened to, and I was I thought that was really interesting, just because you would have thought those two are on well, they are kind of on different sides of the spectrum but they had a really civil and interesting discussion. And, you know, Tyler starts off with his usual line, this is not the, the podcast that – this is not the conversation you want to have with Paul Krugman. This, Krugman, this is the one I want to have. And, uh, yeah, he does a, yeah, he does a really great job of, um, you know, the, uh, you know, taking the, uh, any um, sort of hostility out of a conversation that might be there for two people coming at it from different sides. And uh, yeah, really genuine. And I think there's not enough of that in um, in today's you know traditional media environment. So yeah, kudos must go to Tyler for the way he goes about it. For sure. Um, one of the ones as well that um, not to backtrack to Sam Harris, but um, I, it might not have been this year, but it might have been a couple of years ago they did it. But um, Sam Harris did a really good one with Fareed Zakaria, who's someone I think is just quite an incredible kind of mind as well. Um, I, I don't know if he still is a host on CNN, but because um, I think he used to host 360 or whatever it was, the sort of current affairs program. But that was a really, really interesting long form discussion. Um, you know, Sam Harris is a really, obviously, a great, very good mind himself, great uh, debater. And this is really a great discussion between two really good minds. And I think, you know, Zakari makes a really strong case. Um, for things, but they dive into the Muslim faith and Islam, and um, I think it's just a really good um, that, that that is a very good discussion that I'd encourage a lot of people to check out. Yeah, I think um, both of the the last two that you've uh, each mentioned uh, are great examples of uh, people being willing to have these kind of discussions and being uh, being genuine in the exchange, and that it's um, it's surprising that that's really or not, or not common, at least. Uh, and yeah. yeah, it was just, it's just fantastic, and yeah. takes this um, element of, I guess, modesty, but also self confidence in the the people participating in these types of discussions to really, um, yeah, work yeah. through a, a lot of issues. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, for sure. Of, and it's sort of like examples. that's right. And I think. Um, you know, it's done in good faith. And then people, you're right, it's that modesty, but, you know, like, and people as well, there's, you know, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, the Weinstein brothers, Dave Rubin, like they had a discussion, or not, maybe not all at the same time, but definitely when they were all on, 
or three of them were on together was like, what do you not know enough of? And, you know, like, what, where would I disagree with you? And let's sort of start at that and talk about it. And I think, yeah, you're right, Will, it's kind of, it's very surprising how that sort of lack of good faith is done these days. And then, yeah, where you can actually have a, dis- or listen to a discussion in our case um, and not have people trying to do each other with talking points, I suppose, or, or um, mm. anything like that. But um, one of the other, you know, speaking about things that have jumped out is obviously not just podcast but books and stuff as well. And um, I've been trying, I've just been trying to think, Jordan, you'll be able to answer this in a, in a second, but the, um, who is the, the values in capitalism um, lady, the person who's been writing about, um, I can't remember. Deirdre um, McCloskey. That's it, McCloskey. Yeah, so that's been another sort of surprise to me about reading um, like her work has been, especially at a time when I think a lot of long form discussion is, yeah, I guess coming back into vogue, but I think, um, you know, capitalism as well and inequality is one of these questions that will just be constant with us, you know, as long as we have. I think it'll be with us forever. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think will come into vogue next year will be more of a discussion on values and capitalism. Um, You know, so we might see a bit of Adam Smith potentially come back. Um, A lot of Milton Friedman, because I do think a lot of arguments around inequality or what we're seeing now is pretty much a recycled discussion from the 60s or 70s and 80s when Friedman was starting to get popular. So, um, yeah, I've been very surprised by McCloskey, but before I get, you know, you to... I'll just throw to you, Will, quickly, but Jordan, you'd be able to give a good summary of McCloskey and your thoughts on values and capitalism, but Will, did you just want to jump in there for a second? Yeah, I wanted to, um, because this was, I think, uh, it's related to the big thing which jumped out to me about about the past year, which is the kind of anti-establishment or anti-incumbency nature of of politics around the world that we're seeing in... uh, and this is, you know, this has been a, a trend in uh, shifting, you know, political dynamics and um, rise of sort of insurgent um, politicians or parties. That's been um, that's been around for a short period, but it feels like it's become a bit more entrenched uh, this yeah. past year. And that there's um, you know, lots of um, uh, anger and, and revolt from elements of populations in countries all around the world. Um, in, yeah, and including these uh, sorts of dynamics, although probably not to such a great extent in Australia, uh, which is um, something which, which, which we covered in the um, discussion about Australian politics um, in the podcast uh, this year. So, yeah, I think that's, that's something which I've really um, has, has jumped out to me about this last year and that, yeah, there needs to be sort of some thinking about uh, these type of political dynamics and what that means for, for public policy and, and government around the world. Yeah, and oh, go, Jordan. Oh, sorry, I was just going to pick up on what you were asking before, Sean, just about um, uh, you mentioned like the, the, you know, growing conversation around inequality and obviously that's tied into what we were talking about with populism. You could see this populist sort of backlash um, as a response to inequality and dissatisfaction with the establishment. And, yeah, I think McCloskey's work is kind of a um, uh, forgotten piece in this 
in this debate. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Thomas Piketty and his work, Capital in the 21st Century. Um, I think that was the Financial Times Business Book of the Year Award a couple of years ago. And uh, he's definitely, that's kind of like the, the, the key piece in this debate around the, the, role, the role of growing wealth and uh, slowing uh, growth in GDP. Whilst McCloskey's uh, taken a different line uh, around social mobility and um, equal opportunity rather than equal outcomes, um, I haven't read her work yet. It's um, yeah, she's done a, a, a huge trilogy. I think each book 700 pages, and and she's got an amazing writing style. But uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't had the chance to tuck into that. But it's certainly something I'll be wanting to. And she yeah, she yeah. even says in the intro to the first one that it's an unbridled defense of. Uh, capitalist virtues and or she said it's really targeted at her progressive and socialist trends and um, uh, she recognizes the irony that most people would see that as a contradiction capitalism and virtue but she's uh, she's trying to make the case that um, living a, an entrepreneurial um, a business life is actually a, a noble life it's a virtuous life and um, yeah so that's yeah I'm hoping that that actually becomes a more of a that that side of the argument gets uh, promoted a bit more um, but just looking forward to 2019, I also have a couple of thoughts there. You mentioned the, the populism and, and capitalism and virtues. But one thing for me that's starting to um, come to the fore, which I'm really interested in for next year, is um, to do with the, the tightening of um, monetary policy in the U.S. So, um, you know, most people will be aware that the, since the financial crisis, the, the U.S. Fed has been printing money like it's going out of fashion and it's been seen as a a monetary experiment that no one really knows how it's going to end and things are really starting to change now in the US. They've um, The quantitative easing program has now become quantitative tightening. So the Fed is essentially shrinking its balance sheet and you're starting to see in the last couple of months um, uh, some, you know, some gyrations in uh, global financial markets and yeah, the, this drain of liquidity and uh, how it might impact uh, asset classes around the world over the next year or so. I mean, if you go from all these central banks printing money to suddenly uh, removing it from the system, yeah, it could be next year could be very, very interesting if they continue down this this path. So, yeah, I think that's one to watch. It's kind of interesting, actually, look, because sort of planet finance is somewhere we haven't heard of, you know, heard from in a while that, um, you know, it, of course, other than just sort of stock, the stocks are up, you know, markets up or markets down. But it's sort of something that's escaped a lot of attention, I think, recently. Well, maybe not with the banking sort of Royal Commission stuff, but that's, yeah, you know, it's certainly not 2007, 2008 levels of, you know, where Lehman Brothers is in the news, like high finance is back on the front pages. So as you say, Jordan, 2019 could be a little bit different. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting the, the nature of, of monetary policy and how, yeah, U.S. policy decisions, you know, those sort of ripple out through the rest of the world. I think that's mm. it's going to be a um, you know really interesting to see how this how this unwinds and you know, and and also you know, this puzzle about um, why interest rates are so low uh, in around the world. Uh, I think that's also really interesting. Uh, this was also this was also the year when um, when Bitcoin um, went mainstream, right? The yeah. the bubble that is now burst, um, which is uh, you know another interesting interesting dynamic in you know cryptocurrencies and and blockchain, which we yeah. probably 
when I get it too into uh, into uh, yeah, yeah, it's um these kind of yeah gyrations in financial markets and how that you know then affects um, the real economy, um, people mm. um, yeah. people's um, people's lives. I think that's that's going to be really interesting to um, to watch going forward. Yeah, and closer to closer to home, you talk you know planet finance, how it affects uh, you know people in their everyday lives. Like we're starting to see that here with the the property market. Uh, coming off as as much as it has, and all the commentary around that, and you can see there's a few um, regulators and policymakers starting to fret about the impact that might have on on the Australian economy. So yeah, it's funny these the financial stuff doesn't um, it only comes to the news when it's you know really bad, <laughs> but uh, the the problems usually mount up over years. That was what you saw in the financial crisis, and you know there's been a lot a lot of interesting stuff going on in the financial world the last decade, but um, yeah. It, they no one really talks about it until things really blow up. So, um, not so that's not saying that they will, but yeah, like you said, Sean, you know, people like Milton Friedman, Adam Smith might come into the fore a bit more. I think if uh, the central bank unwinding goes goes sour, then uh, yeah, some of these names might come up again, and we might be revisiting things like what is you know what is the nature of money, what is the nature of central banking, um, these deeper policy questions that kind of get forgotten about and only come to the fore when a crisis hits. And I think that's right. I think there's as well when it, it, you know, especially when there's a lot of pressure, I think, Will, we did that episode a few episodes back on um, the Ian Bremmer book about globalism, sort of us versus them and, you know, the ascendance of that. And one of the key outcomes of, you know, automation of all these, you know, terminally low interest rates, um, you know, a lot of ex, you know, exporting jobs and uh, offshore that sort of thing had created a lot of pressure on governments to do to respond. Um, when at a lot of time when the levers aren't quite clear, and I think of course when you're asking governments to respond, it also means you're asking politicians to respond. So you kind of want a, a better caliber of politician to think cerebrally about challenges, to be aware of what the you know. The, the I guess people like Tyler Cowen through to you know um, Thomas Sowell are saying a lot of the thinkers are, are, but it's kind of it's interesting because you don't I don't sort of sense that there is a lot of that from politics or politicians um, but you know I do see now though a lot of you know some people coming you know Stephen Harper for example has just brought out a book uh, you know is a Paul Ryan someone um, Ben Sass who's a senator in the US who are people who have thought you know, for years now about more, at least to me, more cerebrally about, you know, questions around virtue and character and capitalism, about some of these deeper philosophical questions that I think really might um, be teased out, as you say, Jordan, next year. But I think, you know, as well, it's just something to think about, I think, for next year or just to be on the on the lookout for is just, um, I guess, people who are actually in charge of pull, pulling the policy levers being, um, I guess, a bit more, you know, confronting some of their own challenge, their own thoughts in the way that some of the people we've admired have confronted those as well. So, um, yeah, I just think, that, you know, there's a lot of pressure on states to do things or governments to do things now. There's a lot of pressure on politicians. And I think that sort of wider discourse would probably benefit a lot of the thinking um, from our politics politicians now. Um, Sean, you mentioned you, you mentioned a couple of 
of books in in there. I was wondering, um, you know, we're talking about like the virtues of capitalism and things like that. Are there any books you've read this year um, that stand out that have kind of shaped your thinking or made you think that this is this is where things uh, where the debate's heading the next the next twelve months or so? Um, look, I think um, again, I think probably you know uh, it's a, it's a hard one. I think. It's it's a trend where, like I said, you know Ben Sass, people like that, or you know even um, Stephen Harper, are looking. I think around this question of mobility as well, um, you know, and I guess affinity in terms of actual, you know, cross cultural, um, I guess connections between different people that used to take place that don't take place anymore. So it's sort of how do you build that affinity and how do you sell that message of mobility? Um, especially, you know, that's always been, I think, the counter punch to inequality. It's kind of like, you know, you might be here now, um, but then you could be here in, you know, um, another few years. And that in between is a story of mobility. So what you sort of really need is that is sort of like a movie and not a, a, a picture. And I think probably I just sort of sense that, um, you know, that's something that would be that would probably be. I guess, more in vogue next year, that story of mobility. And probably, I think, you know, who's talking about that now, um, and, you know, in books and things like that. You know, I'd, I'd really, you know, suggest someone like Stephen Harper. I think even if you read, um, you know, like just go back to reading, people have been writing about this for so long, like Thomas Sowell. He's been almost like a broken record on this for, you know, 30 years. He, he sort of doesn't write about anything new. Um, it's just the same sort of stuff. Um but yeah, look, I think, you know, there's not sort of anyone new on the horizon in terms of books and things like that. But I just think that, yeah, it's kind of those discussions that other people we were aware about have been having for a long time are probably just going to come back out again. Yeah, Richard Reeves at Brookings, um, the Brookings Institution, has a, has a book out on, it's called Dream Hoarders. And it's about the um, uh, the increasing nature of, you know, uh, it's focused on the U.S. and um, uh, the sort of entrenched um, upper class of uh, well-educated people having this uh, this advantage and kind of locking their um, their their children into this um, uh, into this top level of society. And you know, and he has some has some interesting ideas to try and um, you know promote competition and um, and increase that mobility from. Um, mm. Uh, from other uh, levels of the income distribution, so that's um, that's one that I think is is, is around that space. Oh, good um, tip. I'll one, put it on my list. One that I'd add to that list as well is um, Nassim Taleb's latest book, Skin in the Game. Um, uh, he actually that that book's a bit of a you know very Taleb. It's all over the place, and it's very hard to figure out what he's actually talking about. But <laughs> I think one of the one of the core themes is this is is inequality. And he, what he sees is the um, the way to address it. And um, he he loves pointing out that um, you know in the Roman times, you know the kings and the queens or the princes would ride at the front of the would ride at the front of the armies, and you know they were the first, most likely to get killed, and most of them died in battle rather than you know retiring. And he's like you know draw that distinction to that where our leaders are, you know they don't have the same level of skin in the game in the sense that they. Um, you know, they, they have cushy jobs and they send other people off to war. And um, even beyond politics and in, in finance, he, he loves pointing out uh, the what he calls the Bob Rubin trade, 
Uh, Bob Rubin was the CEO of Citigroup um, for 10 years or so and, uh, you know, amassed, amassed how many millions in bonuses and then retired and Citigroup pretty much went bankrupt in the financial crisis. But yet he got to keep his bonuses whilst the shareholders had to bail out Citigroup. So, oh, sorry, the taxpayers had to bail out Citigroup. So this this sort of what he calls this asymmetry where uh, people don't have um, the level of downside um, associated with responsibility and power. He says that's the key source of um, uh, that's the key problem with inequality, and he he attributes that phenomenon to the the populist um, the populist movement that we're seeing today. Yeah, I think that's right. And the the legacy of the global financial crisis and is um, I think fueling some of these uh, populist dynamics that we're seeing, and yeah, people feeling like the the, the system's rigged or um, you know, that um, other people are, are getting off scot free. Yeah, I think that's that's yeah. fueling some of these uh, political dynamics that we're that we're seeing at the moment. Have you guys? Well, the... oh, sorry, Sean. Oh, just very go. quickly, just just very quickly. That sort of I think um, to sort of even go another level down about you know mobility and inequality and um, resilience is one of these things that I think's been a big theme of 2018. You know, you look at Jordan Peterson and and other people like that and Mark Manson. Um, but, you know, like that's something as well that I think is involved in that sort of, you can make that, you know, like it just sort of comes, that's going to be a very popular theme, I think, you know, while we have this discussion of inequality next year or values and capitalism is resilience because it really is sort of one of those traits or one of those behaviours or values that um, I think that gets rewarded um and then is talked about a lot by a lot of self-help people. Um, but, yeah, that's something to sort of look out for, I think, uh, for 2019. Um, Sean, I was just going to um, ask. Uh, so we talked about long-form podcasts that we all enjoyed. I was curious as to whether you two had any any books that stood out for you for, for the year. Uh, for me, uh, at, the, uh, at the start of this year, I, I read the a biography of John Monash by Jeffrey Searle, uh, which is um, yeah, which is monumental. It's uh, it's a huge book and it's um, it's phenomenal in uh, profiling John Monash, who um, I didn't know too much about uh, until um, fairly recently. But he's a you know a really great Australian, uh, you know, a, a general in the First World War, a real intellect about military strategy. Uh, also an engineer, um, and was also a public servant in uh, the, heading up the Victorian Electricity Commission um, when the, the grid was being uh, established in Victoria, and um, you know has just um, such a broad range of areas in which John Monash uh, um, influenced uh, influenced Australia. He was the vice chancellor of Melbourne University and uh, someone who really pushed for Anzac Day to be commemorated in Australia. And so it was just a, an incredible man and really um, interested in and supportive of the arts. Yeah, just a phenomenal um, Australian. And um, if I could just add um, another couple of um, books, uh, which are uh, a bit different, uh, two novels by Jesmond Ward, uh, Sing, Unburied, Sing and Salvage the Bones, which both won the uh, National Book Award for Fiction in the US. And these are... Um, really great um, stories about uh, the South in the U.S. Uh, during Hurricane Katrina and since, 
and uh, just uh, fantastic stories about um, what, it's, what it's like to be a, um, a black uh, person in this in this area, and just it delves into the impact of family and, and history, and uh, just beautifully written books. So um, those were those were two I, I really enjoyed as well. Brilliant. I'll chuck them on the list. That's good because um, we sort of don't we kind of miss fiction a little bit sometimes or um, on this podcast. So um, it's good to have some some um, fiction in there. Just as a very brief aside, and I can't remember where I um, read this, but it was about um, Hurricane Katrina, and it was Jordan. You'll appreciate this, but it was it was about um, you know the disaster response from the federal government and the you know and the state government as well over there um and how walmart were actually much more capable and effective in terms of um, responding to like the disaster in terms of their um what would you call it not the production line but their supply chains and getting things out to flood affected or disaster areas much more effective than the federal government i can't remember where i got that but it was something i read recently but it was you know just the comparable times between walmart getting something to um, I guess a shelter or um, um, versus the US government was kind of interesting but just very much goes to show how um, you know I guess a private operator can be much more effective in some circumstances if not all of them but um, I just thought you'd enjoy that brief aside but um, look they they sound like interesting books will I'll put them on the on the list um, look I think in my case I was sort of looking back on the books I've read this year. Um, it's probably just revisiting an old book, um, The Forgotten People by Robert Menzies, who was Australia's longest-serving Prime Minister. And I think that was just a good reminder when you, again, it just comes back to values and affinity and, um, you know, the why, um, you know, people work to build strong communities and strong families and that sort of thing. And I think that's sort of something that you you kind of, it was just refreshing to revisit because um, it's just a series of, of essay, not lectures he did on radio um, back in the 40s in Australia, which were, um, you know, I think just so relevant even to today. Um, so that was a nice one to for me to just revisit and have a look at. So Robert Menzies, um, The Forgotten People um, lectures. So that was a, that probably stood out. Um, there have been a, a few other really good ones. Um, probably not worth a mention on the podcast, just good sort of personal ones that I thought I'd found quite amusing and quite good. Was um, it your own book? But... <laughs> <laughs> nice little prompt there. You've stolen, no, no, not a... you've stolen Jordan's book of the year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, um, but yeah, like I, there's a lot of other, you know, smaller, like, I don't mind a lot of um, sort of good, smaller, um, you know, sporting biographies and that sort of thing. And I just read a really good one on Richie McCaw, which was very good. Um, but, you know, that won't probably appeal to too wide an audience or, but I just sort of find they're quite decent um, small books. And I'm sort of working my way through a really good early Christmas present, um, a book by David Kemp called The Land of Dreams. So it's about, it's part of a five part um, series on Australian history. So this one covers 1788 up to 1860 and it's just a really good refresher on um, I guess how bare bones Australia was back in 1788 and the powers of the governor 
how things were kind of very controlled very very early in Australia, how the early colony was built um, and the early moves to establish commerce and trade and and um, infrastructure and those sorts of things. So that was a that's a good one, but it's in pro it's in tow at the moment, which is a nice um, good early Christmas present, but um, well worth the read. Now, Jordan, to you, obviously, um, there'll be Warren Buffett in there somehow and um, Charlie Munger, no doubt. That's just a, a rolling um, <laughs> pick of the year from you, I'm sure. But <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> tell us a few good. about some of your books. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I actually reread the uh, Charlie Munger biography this year. So, but I won't. I won't recommend that one because that's not for everyone. <laughs> but uh, one. Um, uh, you guys have mentioned John Monash and Robert Menzies. It's kind of reminded me of um, their role models podcast. So I'm going to I'm going to go to for an anti an anti model one. One book I read this year was called Bad Blood, and it's a sort of a a, a business a business book, uh, but a, a, a cautionary tale about uh, hubris and excess in Silicon Valley. Um, I'm not sure if either of you guys heard of the company uh, Theranos, which was um, a a sort of a, a medical uh, slash tech company started by a lady called Elizabeth Holmes. And at one point she was the wealthiest woman in the world and she was, you know, out, you know in her early 30s and um, a global sensation. And um, uh, the company ended up being a complete fraud and uh, they were faking the quality of their medical products and um, took many investors for a ride and, um, you know, people like Rupert Murdoch and Henry Kissinger was on the board and um, and the book is just an amazing story uh, written by a Wall Street Journal reporter. Uh, just an amazing story of the, um, the the rise and fall of this company and, yeah, a very a cautionary tale for many young entrepreneurs and I think it uh, shows that the Silicon Valley culture around business and uh, what's the Facebook line, um, fail fast and break things or something like that. Uh, kind of, you know, shows uh, the the downsides to that mentality, and um, yeah, maybe I think this book might, in uh, in a few years' times, be um, be looked back on as like a as the um, you know a symbol of the excesses of uh, this cycle that we're in. So yeah, if people want a, a riveting tale about um, business espionage and things like that, um, definitely check out Bad Blood by John Carreyrou. Excellent. Well, sounds like a good tip, um, and. Sort of moving now, gents, to um, the sort of end of the podcast, or the which will be our last podcast of the year. Anything on the personal front you want to reflect on, standout moments for yourself, Will? I know you've had a big year migrating and starting something completely different. Um, or anything you're looking forward to in 2019 on the personal front? Uh, I think um, I haven't had too much time to, to reflect and, and think about, think forward about uh about next year but definitely yes moving from moving from paris uh to to new york to uh, start a start a phd in, in economics has been a big big change in um yeah in, in multiple ways and i think um you know, that's a it's a difficult process in you know moving your life as you're um going through very recently sean never um, again but, <laughs> <laughs> and it is, uh, yeah, it is. It is. It is challenging and and difficult at times. But um, you know, change is also how we um, how we learn and and grow as well. So that's um, you know, uh, been a yeah a, a significant change and it's um, 
you know, is uh, a, yeah, an interesting and, and fascinating uh, shift. So, yeah, that's, uh, that obviously stands out uh, for me. Definitely. And Jordan, how about yourself? Um, yeah, I haven't had much chance to reflect on that either, but um, just thinking about next year, there's definitely a couple of things that will stand out for me. Like uh, my wife and I are going to be moving cities, uh, moving out of Melbourne in Jan, so that'll be a big deal. We've been here for a fair while, so I'm looking forward to that change. And um, there's a couple of things on the horizon for WIG Capital that I'm really excited about, which should happen next year. So, um, yeah, that's they're the, the standouts for me. It's funny, you, you, yeah, you don't get enough time to sit back and reflect on your progress sometimes, and it's definitely worth doing, so I'll be sure to do that over the new year. Excellent. All right, gentlemen. Well, um, you know, for me, I think it's, yeah, I've had that sort of challenge of, of moving, which has been really tricky, and I think gets more gets harder the older you get. I used to be, you know, probably 10 years ago when I was starting out my career when I was sort of almost living out of a, a, a suitcase, and, um, yeah, it was certainly a lot easier being younger, but you get a bit older and you accumulate more um, assets, let's say. And um, More than just an SD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, liquid, liquid assets that are easily disposed of. <laughs> um, yeah, certainly becomes a challenge. But, um, you know, and um, but you're right, Will, as well, like it's something that you need to... It, do to grow and it really sort of tests you out and I think um, you know you never you don't want to be stuck in a stationary state to borrow from Adam Smith um, because you know it's kind of like yeah it, it's something you don't want to to be in yeah I heard there's a, a great um, a great quote which I remember which is um, you want to stay on the steep part of the learning curve because that's where the air is and it's yeah. uh, yeah, but um, yeah, um, that's uh, yeah. that's the process of, um, of development. So yeah, yep, definitely. And um, so both sounds like it'll be interesting times for you, gents, in 2019. Um, it's been a really illuminating year, and I've just been absolutely stoked to have you guys on the podcast with me. Um, we've covered some, you know, it's actually interesting to reflect because um, all of the issues and the trends we've talked about this year, we've covered at least to some degree in depth. Um, if you look back on the episodes, um, whether it's sort of globalism, globalization, questions around values, um, the sort of um, appetite for long-form discussion and podcasts, um, good books, um, all those sorts of things we've, we've ticked off, and I think we can be pretty stoked about that. So I really thank you guys for coming on, and I wish you all the best, and I wish listeners all the best in 2019, and thanks so much for tuning in throughout 2018. So, Jordan, Will, thank you. Thanks, Thanks very much, John. John. Talk to you next year. Yeah, and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to both of you. And to all the listeners out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.